You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And this week, I just want to give a hand to you, my listeners, by chopping it off, reanimating it with dark magic, and sending it to strangle you in your sleep. You can find The Crawling Claw on page 44 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. It is a severed undead hand. The lore goes into great detail about how it's created. Uh, There's specifically the severed hand of, like, a murderer that is, you know, raised through foul necromancy. But they're essentially, you know, the thing from the Adams family crawling around on their fingers. Uh, The art depicts a really gross, like, severed bone and muscle and the skin being all, like, wrinkly and hairy and disgusting. This is a CR0 undead. I believe it's the first CR0 monster we've ever covered. It's got speed 20 feet, climb 20 feet. It's immune to poison, charmed, exhaustion, normal undead stuff. It's got blindsight 30 feet. It understands common but can't speak. It has um, turn immunity, which means the claw is immune to effects that would turn undead. And then it has a claw attack that can deal either 1d4 bludgeoning or slashing damage. The claw's choice, I guess, depending on whether or not it's strangling you or slashing you, or I guess punching you, but I feel like you would have to jump and then curl into a fist to punch, so that's kind of silly. Yeah, this is interesting because it's kind of the opposite of the cockatrice from a couple of weeks ago, where it's a very small monster stat block, but there's actually a lot of lore here, almost more lore than you really need for the Crawling Claw. And so it's interesting to see, like, why were they able to do this with the Crawling Claw, but not with the Cockatrice? I was also surprised to learn the Crawling Claw actually has a decent history in Dungeons and Dragons, because I'd never heard of it before 5th edition. But we're going to go all the way back to 2nd edition, coming up next. The Crawling Claw first appears in the second edition Monstrous Manual. And like I say, that's much older than I had expected. Here, um, they're not too specific about the origin of the hand. They simply that they are, you know, reanimated, zombified hands. They do go into greater detail about, you know, what type of damage they can take. You know, cold, fire, whatever, who really cares? Um, And they also cover a version of the same lore that appears in 5e about the kinds of orders that Crawling Claw can receive. There's a lot of detail here about how much control the creator has uh, over the hand and in what circumstances and what kinds of orders it can understand and which ones it can't and things it can do. That's the last time that the Crawling Claw will appear in a monster manual, which is probably why I'd never heard of it. I started in 3rd edition. It didn't appear in any of the core rule books up until, again, here in 5th edition. In 3rd edition, it appeared in a side supplement, a a setting-specific supplement, the Lost Empires of Faerun a 2005 splat book that actually had a pretty large bestiary. Now here they're presented only as a swarm um, with many hands kind of all attacking as one. And I sort of think that's a more interesting way to do it. Something we'll cover in a little bit. And I think the 3.5 version actually kind of is the best iteration. It's got lots of interesting powers. It's got this interesting distraction power that can kind of mess with concentration checks back when concentration was a skill. And then it's also got this fun thing where it deals double damage to prone targets which I feel like a a swarm of crawling hands like getting all over you is somehow much worse than like spiders or snakes or something. I feel like more tiny swarms should have abilities where they're extra nasty against prone targets. 
In 4th edition, they appear in another side supplement, one I was familiar with but had never really read, called Open Grave, which was kind of an interesting idea. It was like a big book about different ways to use undead in 4th edition. So different undead monsters, but also different kinds of encounters and magic items and stuff. Kind of a neat idea for a supplement that you don't really see in 5th edition anymore. Here they're presented both as individual minions um, and as swarms. Uh, but they also feature a couple of other types in the kind of classic 4th edition way of trying to make multiple iterations on the same monster. Uh, they have the crawling gauntlet, which I think is a little dumb that it's like an armored glove. Um, not an animated glove, but like a crawling claw wearing a suit of armor, effectively. But it did have a cool power that could like anchor you, where they could prevent you from moving. If, if you got grabbed by one, it would slow you down. And so the more of them that grab onto you, the, the slower you become, right? Which I also think is pretty neat. But what's even cooler is they had uh, a Lich Claw, so it's like an undead spellcaster's hand. They also had a Dragon Claw, which I think that's a little silly, like cutting off the paw of a dragon and having it crawl around. Like, I could maybe see an encounter with something like that, like you're fighting a Draco Lich or something. But the idea of a Lich Claw that it's a hand, right? So can it cast spells? Can it cast spells with, like, just somatic components? That's really interesting to me and something we're going to talk about later. Yeah, and that's the history of the Crawling Claw. I was surprised to discover how robust of a history they have going all the way back to second edition with lots of different iterations and kind of playing with this idea of are they individual monsters? Are they swarms? How do you make them more dynamic? But what we're going to focus on next are the things we like about the fifth edition version of the Crawling Claw. So the first thing I like about the Crawling Claw is how elemental and spooky it is. Like, everybody knows what a hand is and what a hand can do. And so the idea of, like, an evil animated hand that has no face and no personality, there's, like, an interesting humanity to it where you get it, you understand, but it's kind of being perverted and twisted into this thing that, like, everyone has made a hand spider, right? And so the idea of that being an actual monster, there's something both human and inhuman about it. And I think it's really cool, and it's very, like, everybody understands the concept of what that would look like as a monster and what it can do and what its powers are, right? It's not like, all right, I have to explain this complicated beast that has multiple heads and different things. It's like, nah, it's just a skittering, crawling little hand. So you kind of recognize yourself in it, but also because it has no face. It's just the hand. It's extra creepy and terrible. And there's a fun body horror element to it too, right? That the hand's been cut off. And so are the nails chipped? Is the skin sloughing away? Even just like looking at this picture in the book, it's pretty gruesome. So my second thing is kind of what I mentioned earlier, that they really do give the Crawling Claw like it's due as far as the lore is concerned. I don't think it's all especially useful, but you don't feel like there isn't information here about how and why you would use a Crawling Claw. With a Cockatrice, for example, I feel like even though it's a simple monster, it is such a strange monster. There's a lot of room to tell more of a story there. And they really don't make that mistake here with the Crawling Claw. There's, there's so much to talk about. Some of it I think is kind of weird and unusable, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that there's almost too much of it. But I think that's good. I think I would rather err on the side of more lore than less lore if given the opportunity. And then lastly, my third thing is that, like, I kind of dig that they have turn immunity. Turning undead is one of those, like, all-or-nothing powers where when you use it, it feels very powerful, but it only comes up in certain contexts. So turn undead can really hose a an undead encounter. So it's cool that there are some undead that are immune to it. And I think the justification is that, like, because they are so directly controlled by their creator, they're not really independently willed. 
And so maybe they can resist turning better than some other creatures can. But I think it's a cool power, and it's interesting to see it on something that's ostensibly so weak, right? Like, you would assume, oh, I'll just turn this little crawling claw, and it's just immune to it. you got to be careful, I feel like, about where you use turn immunity, though, because placed on the wrong monster can really make the cleric just feel useless. And that's it. It's a very simple monster. There's not a lot to talk about in terms of positivity. And so conversely, there's also not a lot to talk about in terms of uh, criticism. And that's going to be coming up next. So I don't think it's bad to have a CR0 monster, but it does make them sort of weak to the point of being useless. There's something about flipping onto the page of the Crawling Claw and seeing it and seeing all of the lore and thinking like, ooh, yeah, this is a cool monster. I want to use this. And then putting it in the game and then realizing like, oh, it's CR0. Like it literally can't do anything. You know, it, it's it's the kind of monster that works best as sort of like a, a minion machine, right, where it's churning out all of these hands. But individually, they're basically useless. Like, they might as well be in the back of the book under beasts because of how kind of, like, superficial they feel mechanically. Like, there's so little happening here. Plus three to hit, 1d4 plus one damage. They're really not going to threaten anybody in any substantial way. I mean, you could literally put dozens of them in an, in an encounter, and the chances of them being a real threat, even to, like, a first-level party, is pretty negligible. So I, I think it's definitely... Obviously, they should be towards the lower end, like below CR1, but... This is so useless that it's just flavor at that point. And my second criticism is that, like, the lore is interesting, but a little limiting. It seems kind of contradictory, but because there's so much of it, they have to get really specific about the context into which a crawling claw would exist. So it has to be a murderer's hand, and it has to be resurrected in this way, and it has to be directly controlled by somebody, and it only has a certain amount of intelligence. Like, the lore actually is more limiting than it is helpful, I feel like. I feel like a crawling claw is almost this universal monster where it is just an animated hand. It feels like you could present a couple of other potential origins for one, as opposed to just saying, they only exist when necromancers and warlocks reanimate the severed hands of murderers. Could you not see a situation where if it's the hand of a revenant, the rest of their body was destroyed, right? Like when a vampire, you know, completely kills a victim... They can, like, remove the hands and make them, uh, you know, go seeking out more blood or more victims for the vampire. I just feel like there's lots of different ways you could do it. You could even see, like, a mummified hand, right? Like, it's something that's done as part of, of the mummification process, right? The hands of the pharaoh's servants are cut off and then entombed in canopic jars. You know, there's. I feel like there could be a lot of explanations for this thing. And the fact that they're like, no, it's only this. It's just this one context is actually kind of limiting. And then lastly, kind of going hand in hand with the weakness is that they have no specific traits or abilities. Like turn immunity is cool, but is deeply conditional. And it feels like, once again, they're a little boring to run. They're really fun to describe like what they're doing and how they're attacking you, right? I've, I've run them in the past and they can be really fun. Like that's crawling up you, it's choking you. It leaps over like a spider under the wall. But it feels like I, they don't have any cool signature ability that they do that's like, oh man, that's something only a crawling claw can do. And if you listen to the show, you know that's a big sticking point for me. I want each monster to feel unique and have a unique power that only it can do. So how then would we go about improving the crawling claw? I actually think this one is relatively easy to do. I think we can bang these out pretty quickly. First off, I think let's include a swarm. If you're worried about them being useless, I think you could easily make an interesting case for there being a swarm of them, even if it's only like 10 hands. 
you know, like that will immediately make it at least like a CR half, if not a CR one monster, and it becomes a little bit more uh, interesting and, and useful. And we've seen iterations of this before, both in third edition and fourth edition. So it seems only natural to do a crawling colossus more. That's it. That's a no brainer. Secondly, I would give them a unique ability or two. I think with the swarm, you could definitely do the prone targets thing because that's really creepy. But I really liked the idea of the distraction power from third edition. Like maybe you could do a thing where they have a like if, if a crawling claw grabs you or is attacking you, right? It's got more of a grab ability and like while it's holding on to you, maybe it's even like an attach like the Sturge. While it's on grabbing onto you, you have disadvantage on your concentration checks. Right. So the point is, is that these like dark spellcasters would send these hands out to like mess with other spellcasters, kind of be crawling all over them and trying to like disrupt their spellcasting. Right. Like then they have a specific purpose. You know, you could even extend that out and just say like while it's on you, you have disadvantage on attack rolls or whatever, that it's harrying you rather than damaging you, because then it's got actual utility in the battle. And the point of it is less about it's going to scratch you and more about what it can do and how it can disrupt you know, the party's action economy, which, as you know, is something I am always trying to to work with. And then lastly, this is another kind of variant, but I do think the idea of a lich claw, like the the animated hand of a spellcaster, right, could be interesting. I love the idea of giving it like innate spellcasting, but then specifically curating a list of spells that are only somatic. I actually don't know if any spells like that exist. I'll have to do some research, but I like the idea of one that's able to make little spell gestures. And I think that could be cool, especially if we already have this precedent uh, for the Lich Claw. Yeah, so those are the three improvements. Again, I think it's a pretty simple fix for this monster. It'll take some work to do, which you can watch on our stream Thursdays uh, on our YouTube channel at 2 p.m. PST. Uh, but that wraps up our episode on the Crawling Claw. Thank you so much for listening. We have one final monster uh, in this section before we take another hiatus, and that is the Cyclops. They are coming up next. I'm excited about the Cyclops because I'm interested in them mythologically, but I can already see that their mechanics are balls. So I'm excited to get in there and make that Cyclops more fun to play. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Okay, do you have any idea how hard it was to pick a hand-related pun or joke for this one? Anything involving a hand is probably, like, the most common idiom. You know, hands up, hands down, hand-to-hand, handshake, thousands of different references. I couldn't really pick one, so stop asking me, and happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.